All right, here's a good one for you. What do you got? Two Catholics walk into a bar and they, um, ah, screw it. I forgot the rest. And howdy do, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Two Catholics Walk Into a Bar. I am your host, Jake Rogalski, and unfortunately, Eric Brimmeyer, your co-host, is working late tonight, and we weren't even planning on putting out an episode this week. Um, like I said, I think in an Instagram post, uh, maybe last week or, or the week before that, our audio interface broke. I don't know what happened to it. There was no rough play with it. Like, we keep it on our table, uh, you know, in the basement of our house, uh, in our little recording dungeon, if you will, if you've ever seen pictures of it on our Instagram, at Two Catholics. But, yeah, uh, the other night, it just stopped producing quality sound. Um, I've determined that it's not the microphones because I'm using the microphone right now, but it's plugged into my laptop. And in order for two microphones to be hooked up to the same recording software as we're using, I mean, there's not, you can't have two inputs of sound going into the laptop. So you need what's called an audio interface. And we had purchased a relatively decent one. I mean, they're not cheap by any means, a couple hundred dollars. And yeah, it just, it gave out. So I am able to record with one device. I'm really hoping we get this thing fixed by hopefully two weeks from now because that's when we have our halloween episode planned where we're going to talk about you know i think uh, like i said maybe last episode we're going to discuss things like the occult and the demonic and exorcisms and um the reality of of evil forces within the world and and how we need to take that seriously as baptized christians because um you know, by our baptism, we become sons of God, we become servants of God, but we also become warriors of God, you know, soldiers in the in the army of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, there's some fallen angels that need their, uh, need their butt kicked around a little bit. And uh, we have to learn to stay on guard. You know, don't, don't fear, you know, fear not. But uh, be on guard. Be on guard. On guard. That's actually, that's a book, I think, by William Lane Craig. Um, it, it goes over like a lot of the philosophical basis or not just philosophical arguments for God's existence. He's a, he's a really good philosopher. He, he, uh, Dr. William Lane Craig, he's a, an apologist for the, for the faith. He's a Protestant, but he almost goes about philosophy at such a high degree that it almost seems mathematic. You know, the way in which deductive reasonings and proofs are written out, it's, it's very mathematic and that's what logic is really. Cool. Anyways, um, yeah, audio interface is broken. <laughs> um, I've called the, we got a protection plan on it. So I called those people and they said it's still under the manufacturer's warranty. So they're not going to cover it yet. So I have to somehow get in, in contact with the manufacturer. Anyways, I paid like 40 bucks for a protection plan <laughs> and I'm in college. All right. So that's a lot. It's like, can I get some protection for my, for my, you know, device here? I don't know. Anyways, we'll try to get a fix. Pray for us. And, uh, anyways, yeah, that's why Eric is not on. I said, like I said, we weren't even planning on publishing an episode this week, but I got off work earlier today. It's a Saturday night. Got really nothing better to do. Um, I'd rather not spend my money at the bars. So we're, we're staying in tonight. And, uh, yeah, I just, I hooked up the one microphone I had to the laptop here and I think it's producing good enough sound. So 
This was an executive decision made. Eric is, uh, he's probably going to be working for at least another two hours and it's already 10 PM. So he'll be getting off late. But anyways, that was probably the longest and most unnecessary introduction. (laughs) There's a lot of information there, but you know, now you understand why this is going to be sort of an unconventional episode. You know, I thought, uh, I would talk about, since it's just me doing this and we don't really have Eric's input, I thought I would just do an episode on my patron saint, um, which is the saint that one chooses at their confirmation. And essentially, I mean, what is a pre, I'm sorry, you know, what is a patron, uh, but someone who sort of advocates for you, who, who, um, is in your corner is on your side. And that's what we do, um, when we choose our, our patron saint, we we choose a holy man or woman of God who abided in God's grace and his will so well on earth that we're pretty gosh darn sure they're in heaven. Um, we choose one of them to be sort of our, almost our godfather of, of confirmation. You know, at, at your baptism, you'll have godparents and they're supposed to be sort of your patrons a little bit. Those who will advocate for you, those who will show you the way of the Christian life. I mean, that that's the point of a, of a godparent. And I almost look at one's patron saint as like the godparent or, you know, the, the god mentor, if you will, the mentor of godly ways um, at the sacrament of confirmation for someone. I don't know. That was just off the cuff there. So that might've been nonsense, but that made enough sense to me as I was spitting it out. Anyways, my patron saint is St. Augustine. If you're a Protestant, uh, you might know him more as St. Augustine. It's not a different person. I've just noticed that a lot of Protestants pronounce St. Augustine as St. Augustine, or I'm sorry, St. Augustine. And honestly, it makes enough sense because it ends in I-N-E. So does the name um, Constantine. It ends in I-N-E and it's pronounced Constantine, not Constantine. So I understand why it would seem as though Augustine would be the correct pronunciation. And that's how I used to pronounce it. But it seems as though the some of the oldest Christian groups, when speaking in English, would pronounce it St. Augustine. I don't know. That's maybe that's just tradition that might, frankly, that might, whatever I digress. St. Augustine, (laughs) he was uh, the Bishop of Hippo, which is in modern day. I believe it's Algeria. I really want to say Algeria. I think it is, Um, which is in Northern Africa. Um, So he may very well have actually been a black man or he could have been uh, a Roman by blood that was living in a Roman province in Algeria. We don't really know. Um, but he was, because the reason we don't know is he lived in the fifth century. Uh, I gotta look this up. Hold on. St. Augustine, uh, not St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, geez. Technology is terrible. St. Augustine of Hippo. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I was right. So, so he was born in AD 354 and he died in AD 430. AD stands for it, it's a Latin phrase. Anno Domini. Anno Domini. Anno de, I don't know, something like that. And it means in the year of our Lord. So, anyways, he was the bishop of Hippo. He grew up in a family who where the mother, uh, her name is Monica, Saint Monica, who is actually my mother's patron saint that she chose uh during her at her confirmation, uh, which was August twenty eighth of this year, 
which was St. Augustine's feast day. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyways, uh, St. Monica was a Christian. Uh, she was married to a pagan, I believe, or maybe just a non-believer in general. I'm not, I can't remember. Um, but Augustine was a troublemaker growing up. Um, he would, he was a thief. He was just, he was a troublemaker and he, he writes in his book, the confessions, one of the greatest works of literature ever, I think would be fair to say. He writes of a time in which I think him and his friends went to go steal some pears from a neighbor's yard, something like that. And from what I remember, he, he felt such anguish for this sin that he committed and reading it at first glance it seems so so oh it's so pious you know it's like oh geez you know this guy's getting all worked up over stealing some pears like you know i'm sure you yourself the listener here could probably think of something worse that you've done in your life but no the reason he wasn't so or the reason he was so upset was not because of the fact that he had stolen pears which aren't of much value no, he said he didn't steal the pears because he was hungry. No, the reason he stole the pears was solely for the purpose of stealing. He stole those pears because it was because of the enjoyment he had in doing an evil action. There there was a rush of excitement and and he now understands like that is the root of the motivation to sin really. I mean, sin is exciting. It it grabs at our very basic, you know, fleshly nature. Um, before the fall, mankind's intellect and will were in perfect authority over the bodily passions. There, there was a submissiveness. The bodily passions were subjected to the will. The will was subjected to God. But when mankind fell and the will was broken from that of God because man rejected God. Well, in the same way did almost the the base passions of our animal nature rebelled and and broke away from the authority of the will and the intellect. So we now live in a world where our base passions, our our desire to eat, our sexual drive, um our desire to sleep, uh, our desire to um be lazy, if you will. I don't know. Uh, th- things that are comfortable but but don't fulfill at all, really. These are the things that are driving our lives now, you know. And our will is essentially doing its best to regain control, but it often fails. And that's usually when sin occurs, right? Because the will is no longer in control of the passions. But the Christian idea is not that that's the way it is and, you know, oh, well, we're screwed. No, the idea is that now that we are baptized, now that we are adopted sons and daughters of God and have been saved by the blood of Christ and, and you know we receive his grace in the sacraments, the idea is that when we conform our will to that of Christ's will, which is amending that broken relationship from Eden, when we conform our will to his will, that is when our will can become sanctified and can become perfected and can conquer the base passions. And it's a reordering of creation. Christ came to renew all things. Okay, He didn't just come to forgive you of your sins. Yes, he did do that. But 
but Christ coming and dying on the cross and his and his resurrection and his his future coming this is a complete reordering of creation and that's what this is you know, when your will turns back to be submissive to that of God's will that is when and only when your passions your base desires the the weak parts of your being that that are vulnerable to the devil and his demons that's when those desires turn back to submission to your will which is now Christ within you you know i mean that's the kingdom of heaven right there it's an ongoing process you know the kingdom of heaven is not just far away in the clouds somewhere in a different dimension whatever no christ came and proclaimed the kingdom i want to say that's the third or fourth mystery of the luminous mysteries I think the proclamation of the kingdom, which are set on Thursdays, but gosh, I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what it is. No, the kingdom of God is now, you've been baptized. You're now a son of God, a daughter of God. The Holy Spirit reigns within you. That's the third mystery of the glorious mysteries, the the, the dissension of the Holy Spirit among the apostles, among among God's people. The kingdom is now. Let's start living like it. And I think that's ultimately what St. Augustine recognized. And that's why when he stole those pears, that immense guilt came over him because he, this is, he wrote the confessions after his conversion. So this is when he had an understanding of God. Anyways, he joined the, the, the Machaeans, the Machaeans. It was a religious group at the time. I, I don't know if they were like a heretical sect of Christianity or if they like incorporated Christian things along with a lot of other religious motives, I'm not really sure. He was a drunkard. I mean, he was a big partier. Bastard child with a random woman that he wasn't married to. And I don't think he ever um, helped raise the child, as far as I know. I mean, the man was, the man was not living a, a godly life. You know, and I'm sure plenty of you don't live all that much of a godly life either i know i sure don't i like to think i do i like to think i'm trying and i am trying but you know to live the christian road it's not an easy path but neither was the path to calvary where christ was beaten and whipped you know i don't know how much did the cross weigh what 200 pounds you think now i gotta look this up let's see okay they're saying 165 pounds that's a heavy that's a heavy piece of construction right there the christian road is not easy because the christian road is the road to calvary christ came to show us the way he is he is the way he is the truth and he is the life what is the way the way is the road to calvary in order for christ to live in you you have to die not you physically no 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 you have to die to yourself you have to relinquish power of your will and you have to let him come and take a seat upon the throne of your heart. And I know this sounds lofty and poetic, but I think I'm willing to bet you sit down in your bed and you meditate on what I just said there for a little bit. It, that might make an actual little bit of sense to you because you know, you know you're not where you should be. And I tell you what, you, you're prideful if you think you're a perfect person and no one likes to sit and dwell that eh, you know, dwells a nasty word because it's not good to dwell on anything. But it's good to reflect 
upon the places in life in which we have come short, not to dwell on them, that's where that comes in handy, but so that we can learn from them. Yeah, the road is to Calvary. You want to live, you got to die. If you want to die, you keep on living. You know what I mean? Jesus says, um, for those who lose their lives will save it. For those who save their lives will lose it. Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. If Jesus had to go to Calvary, why wouldn't you? That's the Christian way. Christ says, it is the one who does the will of my father who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. He says on the last day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, you know, have we not seen you in the, in the streets preaching? Have we not walked with you? Something to that extent. And he says, away from me, for I, I, I never knew you. Let's get to know your father a little bit better. You know, and the way you do that and the way you show love for him and the way he shows love for you is you conform your will to his. And like I said, yeah, that's what that's what St. Augustine did. He started reading the Bible and there was a certain passage in there that I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. That's okay. It caused him to have a conversion. And he ended up uh, being baptized and brought into the faith, into the church, um, by the Bishop of Milan, I believe, who is St. Ambrose, another doctor of the church, as is Augustine. So Augustine is brought in by one of the most prominent figures within all of Christendom at this time. And eventually uh, Augustine is ordained a priest, and then he becomes bishop of of the city of Hippo in, in Algeria. But the way in which he was elected to the episcopate was, a, if I remember right off the top of my head, I believe it's because the people called for him. Um, they sort of said, you know, we want Augustine to be the bishop. I also could be completely wrong on that and I'm thinking of a different saint. But yeah, so 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 Augustine was elected to the episcopate as bishop of Hippo and he is known as one of the greatest philosophers of antiquity, uh, one of the greatest writers of antiquity. Thomas Aquinas, who was writing in, I believe, the 13th or 12th century, uh, who authored the Summa Theologica, one of the largest works known to mankind, honestly, if not one of, I mean, if not the largest, it's like a six volume um, set of some of the deepest scholastic philosophy you've ever seen in your life about the summation of the Christian faith. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a single subject in there that isn't covered. Um, so anyways, I digress yet again. Uh, a lot of Aquinas's philosophy is based on that of Augustine's philosophy and, um, the Greek philosophers like, uh, Aristotelian philosophy. Um, and yeah, and eventually Augustine's father uh, converted to the faith, I think, shortly before his death. And I'm not sure if he's considered a saint. He possibly could be, but um, I know St. Monica, Augustine's mother is, and obviously Augustine is a saint who is recognized in the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church. And honestly, I'm sure there's a Lutheran or two out there, uh, probably a more conservative, traditional Lutheran that knows about St. Augustine. Because a lot of Protestants... Um, like what Augustine has to say about the role of of just God's overwhelming grace uh, in the Christian life, and he's ab- I mean he's absolutely right about that. But I think what they fail to realize is that Augustine, in his theology, 
in his way of worship in I mean, Augustine was 100% Catholic. Augustine comes back today and he walks into, I don't know, the Church of St. Peter and Paul, or he walks into, you know, Hosanna Free Grace Evangelical Church. Which one is he going to find a home in? Which one is he going to, to recognize most from the time in which he lived? I guarantee you it'll be that Catholic church. I just I don't think there's a possible way you can argue with that. If you look at the writings of the early church fathers, read Jimmy Aiken's book, The Fathers Know Best, published by Catholic Answers. It is a great, I mean, a great resource. And it's a really just well put together book as well. It's 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 very new. I think it came out within the past three years or so, um, possibly even newer than that. But it's a great introduction into a lot of just quotations. Um and excerpts of the writings of the early church fathers about different sort of doctrines and theological ideas. And we clearly see that the early church was Catholic, the way in which they viewed the Bishop of Rome and the place in which he had among the episcopate, right? And his role that he had in the church being on the chair of St. Peter, who was without a doubt Prince of the Apostles, you know, who who held a special place within earthly ministry. Sure, there are some disagreements among the among the fathers. They're not infallible sources. But the good majority of them, on the majority of theological issues and ideas about the faith and what it means and how it ought to be lived out and how the Bible might be interpreted, it's all very Catholic. The, the, the sacraments, <laughs> it's very Catholic. The devotion to Mary and the saints... It's very Catholic. I don't know where people get the idea that Martin Luther was restoring a lost Catholic church because the, the church in Rome had gone astray. Yes, there was scandalous activity going on in Rome at the time. I mean, there were, there were priests uh, who were selling indulgences. And indulgence is an act of penance that can repair for the damage of sin. Even though your guilt of sin is forgiven, the damage of sin is still present. I mean... There's a reason we're in a fallen world because Adam and Eve have sinned. We're, we still feel the damage of that. So an indulgence is essentially um, a, a grace that is given unto you by God when you do um, you know, penitential things. It's, it's showing your remorse um, for the actions you have committed, right? You're not guilty of them if, they've, if you've you know, um, confessed them. You're not guilty of them anymore, right? But there's still damage been done. There's still some cleanup on aisle two. And penance essentially repairs that. It, it reorders what was wrong, you know. Um, anyways, the church fathers were Catholic. St. Augustine was Catholic. St. Augustine is my patron saint. The way of the Christian road is by the walk that Jesus made on his way to Calvary. And yeah, memento mori, you know, remember your death look forward to it. Not, and I don't mean that as in like, you know, get excited for death. But what I mean is Christ looked at his cross sitting up on Calvary his whole way there. And that's where he obtained glory. That's where he won glory for all of humanity by his death, that sacrifice. And he was resurrected, you know, by his death, he defeated death so that all may live if they believe in the son of God who died for their sins. That's the Christian message. That's Christianity. And that's Catholicism, <laughs> you know. Um, well, all right. 
I think that uh, that'll probably do it for tonight. I'm getting kind of tired. I have mass in the morning, so I think I'm going to go to bed. I hope that we have a new audio interface by next episode, which will be, you know, two weeks from when this is published. I think it'll be like day before Halloween. Um, And if not, then me and Eric are just going to share a microphone. And that's not going to be the most natural situation, but we're going to, that's how we're going to do it. (laughs) That's the only way we can do it. So pray for us. Um, And as St. Paul says, may you keep fighting the good fight. May you finish the race and may you keep the faith. God bless you.